Hello and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast, a place where we share stories on how love can transform negative emotions and pain into strength. We talk about all things related to love, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Welcome to episode 49, From Seeking to Embodying Your Power. Abriola Abrams is an intuitive self-love coach, international retreat leader, goddess temple podcaster, and author of the new Hay House book, African Goddess Initiation, Sacred Rituals for Self-Love, Prosperity, and Joy. In today's episode, we talk about the power of our ancestors, African goddesses, rituals, self-love, and more. Let's get into this magical conversation. Hi, welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. I am so excited. Today we have a beautiful goddess, Abriola. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited about this conversation in advance because I know it'll be magical. (laughs) (laughs) I always start out the podcast talking about love and what your love lesson is. And essentially a love lesson is your story of what happened in your life, what breakthroughs did you have? What was the catalyst for you becoming the woman that you are today? Mm. So there have been many catalysts because I've been on this planet now, thankfully a long time, a while. But one of them that comes to mind a bit based on our our pre-conversation that we had is that in 2010, or maybe it was between 2010 and 2012, I went back home to my parents' country of Guyana in South America for what we called a family reunion trip, but it really was a family union trip because I met a lot of family members that I had never met before. And many of them are my siblings (laughs) Um, who were born obviously before my father migrated to the United States. And I hadn't met a lot of them didn't know a lot of them existed, to be honest with you, um, and met their kids, their, you know, my nieces and nephews who are in my age group, uh, so to speak. And it was a really beautiful and powerful and healing trip. I went with a lot of my American siblings and my parents, and it was it was a powerful trip. And one of the ways that it not only showed me deeper love, but helped me to fall more in love with myself, with, you know, us as women and helped me to cement what my calling is, was learning about the stories about the women in the village where my family comes from. My parents are from a very small village in Guyana, but they met in New York City. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, And in this very tiny village, you know, and I actually talk about this in my new book, um, African Goddess Initiation, but in this tiny village, the they were the second second people, second group of people um, throughout the Caribbean and South America that 
were able to purchase their own village after emancipation. Um, actually the first because they merged together with the other group. Um, and the women of this town, tiny town, were instrumental in standing up for themselves, in showing you know their power and their pride. And it just was a wonderful experience. So you're pretty much coming from a lineage of leaders and healers and people that change the, the culture of their world, essentially. Absolutely, absolutely. And it has been it has been very healing just to learn certain things about my family and about my lineage, um, who are healers and teachers and creatives and all of that. It's so it's so important to have that knowledge because it really is helpful, especially with the African diaspora, like having that awareness that we do come from this great, amazing, powerful lineage. Yes. Yes. You know, and I would I would encourage anyone who is listening to this, you know, to go and research your family to whatever degree you're able to interview your elders, you know, while we have them. I interviewed both of my parents last year, sat them down, <laughs> did a formal interview with them. It's it's very important. Yeah, absolutely. I did that with my mom. Um, I should do that with my dad. I did that with yes. my mom to ask, like, who were the healers? Like, who were the midwives? And to yes. learn that I had all these people in my lineage made so much yes. sense because my whole life I wanted to do a certain thing. I always wanted to be a healer. But then I'm like, where did that come from? But then mm. to see that, OK, I have I have so many ancestors that were doing this similar type of work. Yes, yes. Interview your dad. And <laughs> you said that right now he's back home in Guinea. Yeah, so this is a home. good time to do it because then he might call cousin so-and-so come <laughs> and, you know, people like that. And what I want to tell you is the first thing they're going to say is, well, I don't know anything. I don't have anything to share. But they have a wealth of knowledge. Mm -hmm. I love that you're bringing the conversation of Africa, because it's such, a, you know, it's dear to me and you wrote a book about it. So how did that all come about that you wrote, wrote this book, which I have to say, I wish it was out years ago because I was always like, there's not enough tarot cards and books that have people that look like us. And I've always been wanting that. So I'd love to hear how you, your creative process around that and what was your inspiration? Thank you. Thank you, sis. It, it really was a divine project. I feel that the ancestors said to me, this is what you need to do. In fact, I know that they said to me that this is what you need to do. I've been doing goddess work for a really long time, but this specific work, which is focused on the divine feminine and you know giving us a journey through our lineage throughout you know the you know Africa is not only the 54 plus countries on the continent but it is all of us throughout the diaspora you know those of us who were trafficked and kidnapped you know throughout the South America Central America Latin America the Caribbean and the United States of course um and then people you know who have migrated here we are all you are we are here and we are still Africa. Africa is still within us. And I tried to first resist writing this book. <laughs> you know, I, I really did, you know, have a refusal of the call because it seemed, you know, so enormous. And because I know that there is a lot of um, fear 
-hmm. and self-hatred that comes up, you know, um, fear and hatred period whenever you talk about African divinity and our power. And a lot of it comes from the outside, but unfortunately a lot of it comes from the inside as well, from within the community, from people, you know, who are kind of very resistant because of the way the the way that our story of us has been told. And if you really want to oppress a people, you know, this is in, in the oppressor's rule book, first you oppress them, then you get them to oppress and hate themselves, 100%. you know? And so uh, every day I receive messages from people saying, you know, um, why are you talking this African mumbo jumbo and all kinds of things like that. But every day I also get messages from people saying, thank you. Thank you so much for uplifting us. Thank you for telling us our story in a different way. Thank you. And there's so many things that, you know, there were there were three levels of consciousness of me writing and downloading this book. So there was the first level of, you know, for me as an intuitive, as a healer, as someone who, you know, the, the downloads, the, you know, the transmission yeah. straight from the ancestors. Then there was the level of me going and speaking to people, interviewing people in my family, in my lineage and in other lineages, you know, and, you know, getting knowledge there. And then just as a as an academic, you know, also going and doing the research and things that I'm, I'm going to stop talking for a se in a second, but it just was beautiful and astounding. The the things that that I knew that I didn't know that I knew, but also the things that I learned that I you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, 100 percent. And one of the questions I'd love to ask you is a lot of people say God, I do goddess work or I I'm connected to the divine feminine. Could you explain how yes. what your interpretation is of the goddess work that you do and that you have done in the past? Yes. Oh my gosh. I love this question, sis, because um, like I said in the beginning, thankfully I'm I'm grateful that I've been on this planet now for a while. And <laughs> when I recently graduated from college, this is back in the early oh late nineties. Mm -hmm. Um is when my goddess journey started and as a coming out of college i created with my friend antoy grant we created a show called goddess city that was at the schomburg center for research and black culture in new york city and wow. toured and was a number of different places we had a lot of our luminaries stand by us and you know um we went to amiri baraka's home in New Jersey and his wife Amina Baraka was a big supporter of this work the late great August Wilson at the National Black Theater Festival like it was phenomenal oh, and wow. overwhelming you know to be so young and you know be doing this work mm -hmm. um and then from there st I started doing because of the the nature of the show we talked a lot about a lot of uncomfortable conversations okay. we talked about um things like um, rape, um, and female genital circum female genital circumcision, um, and a lot of different things that were uncomfortable topics. So every right. show naturally led itself into being a town hall, a discussion. Mm -hmm. And from there, I started doing goddess circles in my living room, um, which then led to today. So to answer your question, um, 
goddess divinity for me has been realizing, um, to, to quote the late great Entezaki Shange, I found God in myself and I loved her fiercely. That is the most simple at its most basic level, at its most simplistic level, knowing that you are the goddess, you are the temple. And then there are many layers after that. So doing the healing for yourself and because I feel like for a lot of people, especially um, I speak for myself as a black woman growing mm -hmm. up, you get so much, so much negative messaging about your skin color, not, not feeling worthy, feeling like we have to work extra, extra just to be even considered equal and all the negative bombardment that we have to go through. And a lot of it ends up being the internal work that we end up doing as adults. And yes finding that goddess within you, I feel like that takes a lot of internal work, right? Like being able to undo those negative thought patterns. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, when I look at you and I look at me and our chocolate skin, you know, and our kinky hair and our beautiful wide features, you know, you look like my family and perhaps are, you know, and, <laughs> you know, um, and to live and, and be in a, a country and in a time where now for me on another side of it, it seems ludicrous and ridiculous when I look at the phenomenal beauty that you are that we would we would walk and that people would not see that and it makes me emotional you know like how could how could like how could that be like it seems insane it seems as insane as not realizing that water is wet that fire is hot you know <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and yet Yet that's where we we have been and where where in many cases, sadly, we still are. I was so sad that that um, a, a short while back I was speaking at right before the before the pandemic, I was speaking to a group of high school kids and they were talking about colorism. And they said they said, Miss, did did you have this? Did, was, did colorism exist when you were growing up? And I was like, oh, my gosh, like they don't even realize that this is just the latest iteration of something that unfortunately has been going on for generations. But thankfully now, you know, people are are waking up, are awakening to the fact that, you know, that this is not alternative beauty. This is the beauty. Right? <laughs> I mean, this is yes. It's um it was it's painful, especially when with when it's in within the black community, like the whole idea of colorism and just having to be look at yourself and be like how and not only is the world, the Caucasian world putting me to the side, now it's within my own community. Yes. And I think the for me, it's been that journey of going within, finding my own beauty, finding my own everything that I need within myself and coming from that place. Because if you're always expecting the outside world to heal you, then you're never really going to ever be healed. That's it. That is it. Exactly. That it what you are looking for on the outside, you're going to continue to chase. Right. Right. So people, we talk about that, you know, you and I, as we're in New York, so it's hustle city and chasing money and chasing this and chasing, but whatever you're chasing 
is running from you. So if you're chasing your own power, chasing your own divinity, chasing your own beauty, like that, it's going to be continue to be elusive. And just because it has been taken from you doesn't mean that that you leave it in that state. It is about a reclamation about your of your own power, a reclamation of your own beauty, a reclamation of your own divinity. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember, you know, talking about goddess circles, I went to my first goddess circle in New York City when right out of college as well. I had no idea what any of this was. So I went to this whole thing and it was all white girls, a few Asians here and there. And Mm -hmm. I had no idea what this whole world was about. And when I thought about goddesses or when I was shown goddesses, they were always, um, they're always white, right? And so now I'm just thinking now on this other side and I've done African, um, Afro-Cuban, Afro-Brazilian. So now we learn the whole Yoruba tradition and all these other goddesses that I'm like, I had no idea even existed. So I'd love for you Mm -hmm. to speak on all those African deities that we never really get to hear about that you've introduced in your work. Yes, so this is what is so exciting because a lot of this has been buried, not by accident, Mm -hmm. but purposefully so. So us, let me just show you in my book, um, this is the book African Goddess Initiation. You see, I have post-its in here from a a recent um, teaching that I was doing, but it has, throughout it so you know beginning in Daomi with which is now Benin with uh, Maulisa um, and there are goddesses from throughout the diaspora so we know a lot we learn a lot about um, when you start to do this work about the Yoruba Orishas but there are divine goddesses from every single culture and uh, in, in, in throughout the African diaspora. And so, for example, this is goddess Ngame, who is a goddess of the moon, triple moon goddess. And one of the interesting things about her is that the divine, the, the divine in this culture is known as Inyame. So with a, the small difference of a Y instead of a G. And the way the oral tradition is, is that the divine was originally feminine and was changed, you know, through the patriarchal structure into the divine masculine. And a lot of people have the misconception, for example, when they look at um, African divinity, because in every, there are certain, um, even though it's all completely different, there are a lot of things that are the same. So you will see a lot of different deities that, you know, throughout the diaspora, we hid in saints and angels and fables and tall tales and all of those kinds of things. But there, the, and people mistake it for polytheism, but there's always a highest power. And then it's similar to saints and angels. And so it's that the highest power, the divine God, source, energy, whatever you want to call universal, you you know, the universe is too big to be accessed by humans. And so having the go-between of your ancestors and the goddesses is where the power comes in. And I share rituals for each one. And so there's, for example, um, Erzuli Dantor, there's Erzuli Freda, Erzuli is a whole family from Haiti. Um, As I said, you know, sharing from throughout the diaspora. And then because um, 
a big part of our divinity as African people is ancestors. There are also African queens who are featured um, as a part of this work. And so there's uh, Queen Nandi, Nandi Zulu, I call her uh, mother of Shaka Zulu. Um, and uh, for example, from my country, there's a song about a woman named Satira, who is a, supposedly like a, a, a loose woman. And so in this book, I've reclaimed her as a goddess because again, we hid our goddesses in songs and fables and tall tales. Marie Laveau is here as one of the ancestors in this book. And so, and the same with the, um, the, the deck cards. of Oracle cards have the same goddesses in the deck. And so here's Oshun on the cover. Yes, as a daughter of Oshun, I was like, okay, mama has to be on the cover. Of course, Oshun has to be the cover. She's the beauty. She is, she is. Water. Yes, the sweetness, the honey, honey. yes. (laughs) (laughs) And this is Goddess Ocean here. (laughs) Love it. And so, yeah, so there's, I'll just show you like just maybe five of these. So here's Mam Kumbabang of Senegal. And she is one of the river goddesses. She is the goddess of the St. Louis River in Senegal. There are many river goddesses in Senegal. And um, Unfortunately, the tradition is dying out of people who know how to give her praise, which is to come to the river and give her your voice. And there's a song and a dance and so much that, you know, unfortunately is being lost. And so a big part of this project for me was also capturing our our history, our stories, our, you know, our spirituality before it is lost, before it is tossed away. Here's another goddess from Southern Africa, goddess Inko Sazana, who is the goddess of healers. And as you can see, she's a rainbow goddess. She appears on the mists and on the rainbows. And before you come to her, you must do a spiritual bath mm-hmm. and bathe the children and their specific rituals for the women and for the men before you approach her. Um, and she helps the corn to grow. Nice. She helps the corn to grow. And a very interesting story is that um, the colonizers had um, kind of stopped the indigenous people of the area from doing the songs and the dances, from making the corn to grow. And now science is showing that, you know, the the of course, when you speak to crops and, you know, voice and, you know, it helps them to grow. To grow, right. Yeah. And so it's interesting because now there's a crisis with the crops in that area. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe let's sing to them as Ikosazana yes. would have you do. This is Mbuya Nahanda, who is a, a reoccurring lion spirit that has occurred for generations and she is it's it's a beautiful and powerful story she the the only way to say it is takes possession she takes possession of women leaders throughout time and the most recent incarnation that is acknowledged was Mbuya Nahanda who was a freedom fighter over age 55 in Zimbabwe who now who stood up to the colonizers at the time and her community is trying to get her remains back. Her remains were given to Queen Victoria as a war prize. Oh. Um, 
Yes, and so her they're trying now to get her remains back of the last acknowledged Nahanda. A lot of people come forward and say that they are the next Nahanda, but if you're unable to answer the questions mm -hmm. that they have, then you are denied as a Nahanda. So I love the fact that you have the, the cards and the book. So do they work together or separate or how, like, how should people like purchase it? So the cards and the book absolutely work together. And I'm so excited because I just found out yesterday that because the cards are already a bestseller, they're number one in their category on Amazon that they move the date up. So the cards are now coming out. Um, you can pre-order them right now. They're coming out on the 5th of October. Wow. And okay. Yeah. And everything right now, at the time of this recording, it may not be true by the time people watch this, but at the time of this recording, everything on hayhouse.com, my publisher, Hay House, everything on their site is 50% off. Mm -hmm. So you can go and get the book and the cards there for 50% off. Um, but that may be not true by the time you're watching this. So the cards and the book. So let me just show you the similarities and differences. So I'll use this copy. So each of the goddesses in the book, for each goddess, mm -hmm. I tell you her story and then share with you a traditional alt, a traditional ritual from throughout the African diaspora and share with you an empowering lesson related to the goddess. So essentially what her lesson is, what she has come to teach us, what she wants us to know. So here's, for example, is goddess Ngame the moon goddess. And so she is the goddess of desire. So here is her message. Um, and I recording the audiobook for this was wild because the messages in part start with a greeting in the natural, in the, the original language of the culture of the goddess, um, which I know with my New York uh, <laughs> my New Yorkese, I can't even, I can't even, uh, like, I butcher my, my own accent. Um, and so, yeah, so then tells the goddess's story. It tells, so then let's talk desire. So it talks about desire um, and the divine feminine. And then it talks about how to honor the goddess, mm -hmm. gives you information on how to honor her. And then a sacred ritual that is from the diaspora. Here, this one is the Konkuma menstrual broom. And I'll let people, if you want to read about that, that's on page 88. It's about using the broom as a spiritual tool mm -hmm. and the way that they do in Ashanti culture with a menstrual broom. And then a, a, a ritual is given for us to do that mm -hmm. is a self-love ritual. I love so, that. So, yeah, and then affirmations. And so... That's how the book is structured. And the book is structured in through nine inner temples, um, which is similar to a chakra system, but it's a system that I downloaded that is specifically for us. So it starts with the temple of ancestors, the inner temple of conjurers, the temple of warriors, the temple of lovers, the temple of griots, which is about the voice and storytelling, and the temple of queens, which is the third eye, and the temple of high priestesses, which is the crown chakra. And then in the card deck, the card deck, the cards are also divided into those same 
temples, Mm -hmm. all of the goddesses and queens and ancestors who are in the book are in the deck. The deck only has one additional, um, one additional energy that is not in the book. And that is Mamlambo, who is a South African spirit. Um, One of the powerful ways to use the deck, because it can be used for divination, which runs through every African culture, um, but it can also be used for personal development. And actually, the best divination is a combination of both. And so there is there are shadow cards in the deck and there's a shadow temple of shadows within the book Mm -hmm. that is all about us confronting our inner shadow selves and issues like sacred rage, like um, self-sabotage, the things that hold us back from stepping into our true divine goddess power. I love it. How do you incorporate divine masculinity in this world? Because it's always about the balance, like being able to tap into your femininity, but also our divine masculine that that's balancing within us. It's so important that the very in the very first in in the very first chapter of the book, the guardian chapter, that there is the dual deity, Maulisa, which represents the sun and the moon. Mm -hmm. And together they are one entity, the divine feminine and the divine masculine. And um, this is the 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 altar that I just did for the full moon for full moon circle. And this is Maulisa, the divine masculine and feminine oh, together. That. because It's, it is very, very important. It's very important um, spiritually. And it's important for us as spiritual beings, having a human experience. And so the divine masculine, a big part of it is taking inspired action. So you can come to this practice and go through each initiation that each goddess has to offer. You can, you know, um, there's a meditation album to accompany it and all of that, but then you must take inspired action in your life for the things that, you know, incorporating these things into your life for your own evolution. That's why we're here for each of us to evolve and evolve the consciousness, evolve our, our community, evolve our tribe, evolve our bloodlines. That's why we're here. Absolutely. Well, let's get into the infinite love questions. Yes. So my first question is, how do you use love in your work? Mm. Oh my goodness. My work is all love. It's, it's all, it, it is all love. You know, um, the affirmation that you have behind you is, is one of my favorites that I use a lot in my teachings where I say, you are loved and you are loved. You are loved and you are loved. And my work is about us again, coming back to reclaim our own power and realizing that the face of the divine is you, that, you know, it begins with loving yourself. It begins with loving yourself. And it's, it's all about love. Everything is either love or fear. If we are you choosing love or are you choosing fear? Right. And if we can remember at any moment, if you're trying to make a decision, what is the most self-loving choice I can make? Or what is the most loving choice that I could make? Those are two very strong guidelines for how we would want to go forward in this world. I love that. Thank you so much for saying that. And one of the things I think about lo- 
love is it's an inclusive so i know there are people that are listening to this and they're like oh i'm not i don't have african descent which i think everyone does but for some people that they don't believe they come from africa they can still yes. tap into the work that you're doing right it's for everyone absolutely oh my goodness i'm so glad you said that i it's so important to me that it is both in 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 the book i put in a specific um a specific, it's not a disclaimer, but it's a specific um, calling and offering saying that I don't invite people to this this sacred goddess circle that is this work. Um, spirit invites you to this circle. And so if you are watching this and you're within the sound of my voice, within the energy of my heartbeat, and this resonates with you, then it is for you. And um, the beautiful sister Anita Kopach, who wrote my forward, she ended up writing the same thing, uh, saying that you know, if you feel it, it's for you. And 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 the, the the important thing is that just like we we take gifts from other cultures, you know, yoga and um, feng shui and Kabbalah, you know, there are gifts that we receive from other cultures, and it has just been that the gifts from our cultures have been devalued and they are they are just as potent just as powerful and just as important absolutely 100 percent. and i and i just want everyone to feel that inclusiveness in the work that you do because i feel like sometimes when when it's like for black people people are like oh it's not for me but it's for everyone yeah yes i i answer those questions to every every day <laughs> <laughs> and how is your work used to serve humanity? So my work is used to serve humanity because there's no, until all of us are free, you know, or you're putting forward the energy of all of us being free, then you can't feel freedom yourself. You know, in this moment, I feel free and I feel liberation in my bones and in my body and in my soul. And it's important if you are feeling that to bring others along, you know, each one carry one, each one bring one, each one teach one. That is how humanity advances. And I remember years ago, I was in a class in New York City um, at this place called The Kitchen, which is this art center in New York, um, in lower Manhattan. And they brought in as a guest teacher, Yoko Ono. and people were talking about, um, this is maybe around like 2007 or eight or something like that. And so people were talking about war and, you know, and, and all of that and what they could do. And, and I remember she said, go home and, and fix the, the teacups in your cabinet. Everybody's like, where's this lady talking about? Like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> and what she was really saying was, you know, clean up your own porch, clean up your own yard, clean up your own energy, clean up what you have access to, clean up your own spirit. And, you know, and if you, if you have the propensity to be able to do more for others, then definitely do more, but you have to begin with the self. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. What does it mean to you to be a positive force of goodness in the world? Hmm. I love that question. I love that question. For me, it means, I think, living out my truth and my lineage, you know, that this is what I was born to do. 
And so clearly with you, for example, also that this is what you were born to do. This is what we were born to do. And so when I know, when I learn things about my family or for example, the fact that my great grandmother was a midwife and the equivalent of a woman's fertility healer, um, or that you know, one, one of my mom's lineage came from Ghana specifically to, they, they were as a part of the trafficking brought as healers and doctors. And so they are the only uh, group to have retained their original surname because they were brought to be healers. I know that that is my divine purpose and it takes many different forms. There are many different ways to be, you know, a healer. There are healers who are dancing ballet. There are healers who are, you know, delivering the mail. Um, there are healers doing all sorts of things, but this is how my offerings are coming through. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, it's, um, it's amazing to be able to do the work that we do and that we love it and it's our purpose. And it's such a blessing to be able to do something that feels like a calling, but also it's something that is used to uplift others. It really is, sis. It really is. And one of the cool things, you know, is seeing the world kind of catch up, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so it's it's really cool because, you know, almost any time prior to this, you know, people were always like, oh, that weird goddess stuff that you do or that weird goddess girl or, you know, all of those kinds of things. Or when I started doing retreats or when my first deck, the African goddess affirmation cards came out, I think it was like in 2014 or, you know, people were like, what is that? Why are you doing that? And, and so, you know, evolution is happening quickly and people are catching up and, and hearing other people acknowledge, you know, it's really it's a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, I think it's great that now people know what Reiki is and you yes. talk about crystals and people are not like, whoa, what is that? Like, it's, I mean, yes. it, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are still questioning that. But I guess in our world or in, at least in California and in New York, it's a little it's much more of an open conversation. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I remember, you know, when I was a kid and I remember being a kid and I remember in my dad doing yoga in the late 80s and it being weird you know like <laughs> yeah. it being like he was strange he was weird you know and so the fact that that is so common and commonplace now you know people people are catching up um sure. i've given talks to major corporations about meditation mm -hmm. and you know again five years ago that would have been unheard of mm -hmm. yeah times are changing what do you most love about your life? Oh, what do I most love about my life? Oh, hmm. I most love that I feel like I am surrounded by love. You know, the theme of your podcast. I happen to have been blessed with amazing parents who thankfully are still here on this planet and I'm still learning from them and they're still learning from me. Um, I have incredible siblings and family and, you know, friends and just I'm surrounded by love. And I, I yeah, I, that's, that's what I'm most passionate about, you know, it, it, that the other, everything else is, is, is great, but it all starts again with, you know, yeah. the foundation. And that's a key part of my foundation. 
And the beautiful part of, yeah, of, of writing this, this book is that I, um, I created this, like a Facebook group for my mom's family. And because we're all, we're, you know, spread out, we're in Canada, we're in the UK, of course, we're in Guyana, you know, throughout the world. And so to come together for us to come together and to gather our history and tell our stories and all of that, and just learning so much about my own family, like it's just, it's, it's made me love them even more. Yeah. Hmm. Ah, this is an important question in this conversation, particularly talking about the divine feminine, because I would assume that the people that you attract to you are as you are an empath and a giver and all of those things that I can feel energetically from you. And traditionally within this tribe of people like us, it is easy for us to be givers. It is easy for us to give love. It is easy for us to give empathy. It is easy for us to give compassion. It's easy for us to give compliments, money, whatever. But the receiving part of it, which is the divine feminine energy, tends to be more challenging. And so a few years ago, I gave myself the divine assignment of learning to be a better receiver, a better receiver of love and being loved, a better receiver of abundance and money, a better receiver period. And so I receive love by, and, it, and it's an ongoing practice. <laughs> don't, get, don't get me wrong. Don't get it twisted. It's an ongoing learning practice. But I receive love today by having the courage to ask for it in places where it is deficient, whether that means, you know, from my, you know, whether it's from my man or from my mom or from my, you know, whatever it is, learning how to ask for what we need is so important. Absolutely. It's so important. And as strong women, you know, who are raised, you know, you, you, you're strong and you're all of this, that we often miss that, which is, you know, the power to receive is our birthright. Yes. When do you feel the most love? <laughs> when do I feel the most loved? I feel the most loved. Hmm. I feel like it's when I am around people who I love and people I feel comfortable with. For me as an introvert, you know, um, and as an empath, I'm very guarded about my energy and where I spend my time and where I spend my energy and all of that. And so in a lot of situations, I'm just, you know, kind of there, but, you know, quiet and observing. But when I'm around my people, peoples, which could be, <laughs> you know, from my family to my clients on retreat or whoever, I am then, you know, my mouth is going and I'm, I'm in my element and in a beautiful co-creative dance with them. Love it. And my last question, which is my absolute favorite question, where has love created a miracle in your life? Ooh, oh my gosh, so many places. Let me think, see if I can think of one that I can talk about. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> where has love created a miracle? 
I would say, hmm, I would say one of the miracles since, and, and it's just on my mind, I think since we are talking about this book specifically, um, one of the places that love has created a miracle is in answering the calling to, to write this book, you know, um, having love of myself and love of my culture and love of my sisters, you know, and really wanting what has become really a textbook of our divinity and our goddesses and our culture. You know, this book by itself is a miracle that I wrote it during the pandemic for nine months during the pandemic. For a big part of that, I was at my parents' home. I left here, I left my Manhattan apartment. Um, you can hear sirens because I live in Manhattan. Um, I left my Manhattan apartment and I went and stayed with my parents for eight months um, during the pandemic and then came back afterward to finish the book. And I knew that in 2020, that my divine assignment was to write a book and to help others to do the same. And so I was teaching a course on writing a book that's a part of my um, manifesting university. I was teaching a course on writing a book. And I wrote two other books, two shorter books on spiritual business and other topics beforehand, trying to resist writing this book. And I was blocked in every area of my life. When you're going against what your own ashe, your own energy is, you will feel blocked. And I was feeling this blockage and I first couldn't decipher, was it specifically around this, this project or was it around what was happening in the world, which everything around us was unknown and seemed to be falling apart. And when I said, okay, this is what I am needing to do, everything opened up. Hay House, you know, gave me a contract and um, everything fell in line. And, you know, my family started sharing stories with me uh, about their truths. The family member who brought it to me and to everyone within our family circle that our family has been written about in books and was brought to, you know, came to the to South America, to Guyana in order to be healers. And that's why we have our original surname. He ended up dying of coronavirus. He died of COVID last summer. Oh, we no. never got to meet him in, per in person. He's my cousin in Guyana, older cousin in Guyana. And we never got to meet in person. And had I not been following the guidance, we would have lost that part of history and not even put that together. And so for me, it's been a lesson of, and I would encourage anyone who is watching this to answer the callings that you are getting you know, from the divine. It's all in love and the voice of the divine will always speak to you, you know, sometimes with firm love, sometimes with tough love, but it will always be an energy of love. And so to follow what you're called, what you're being called forward to do. I love it. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. How can people purchase a book, find your information and work with you if that's something that they're interested in doing? 
Yes. So thank you. So first of all, for this incredible conversation, this was awesome and inspiring and will be, I'm sure, the first of many conversations that we are having, we will be having um, as I feel very in alignment with you. Um, the book, African Goddess Initiation, Sacred Rituals of Self-Love, Prosperity, and Joy is available wherever you buy books. So wherever you purchase books from, um, you can find it. The, the direct link if you want to purchase from Amazon is tinyurl.com slash the goddess book, tinyurl.com slash the goddess book. But you can find the link to that, to the cards, to everything at my site, which is womanifesting.com. So like manifesting.com, but womanifesting.com. <laughs> and the you can pre-order the cards now. There's also a meditation program called Enter the Goddess Temple and an upcoming goddess course that I just spent last weekend filming um, in Manhattan, filming in Brooklyn, New York. Um, so a lot of goodies to come. Womanifesting.com is the best way to go. And if you're looking for free resources to empower you on your goddess journey, go to africangoddessclub.com, africangoddessclub.com. And you can find me throughout social media at Abiola TV. Abiola TV, where the TV stands for transformation and victory. I love it. And all that information will be in the show notes. I am sending you so much love. Thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate your presence and all your wisdom that you're here to share and all the work that you're spreading in the world. It's amazing. Thank you, sis. Thank you for your beauty inside and out and making this world a better place. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.